I'm Denise Bailey. And I'm Dr. Monica Parker. And you're listening to My Parents Are Now My Kids, a medical doctor's view and daughter's journey through memory loss and other dementias. As a doctor, I'll help you navigate through the often confusing, confounding, and frequently frustrating technical aspects of dementia. And as a daughter, I'll share with you some things I've experienced caring for and loving my parents who both struggled with these disorders. We want you to have hope and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll tell you that sometimes that light is coming straight at you and you just have to get out of the way. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Monica. Hi, Dr. Denise. How are you today? I'm doing just great. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for asking. Today, we'd like to talk about cognitive testing. Uh, We've heard a lot about cognitive testing as it relates to Alzheimer's and dementia. So I'd like to start by asking you, what is cognitive testing and what does a cognitive test consist of? I think that's a really good question because I think that in the context of getting an evaluation or an assessment for dementia, it's we need to understand what's be what a real dementia test is and what it is not. Chances are, if you went to your primary care doctor, if you came to my office and you got a memory screen in my office, that's not a dementia test. It's a dementia screen. And it's a series of exercises, whether we have you draw a clock, remember words, or add and subtract or draw figures. A screening test in a primary care doctor's office is just that, a screening test. If that screening test is abnormal, we may send you for additional testing. And that additional testing, neurologic testing for Alzheimer's and related dementias, is not done by a medical doctor. It's done by a PhD neuropsychologist. A PhD psychologist does special learning tests for uh, dementia assessment. They may measure, they process, they measure how your brain processes information, can determine whether or not you're depressed. And in previous discussions, we've talked about depression. But the point of this is real neurocognitive testing can last anywhere from two to four hours. So anything you get in a primary care doctor's office is not necessarily cognitive testing. It's screening, but it's not testing. It's interesting that you say that because our listeners, if they've been with us for a long time since the beginning, when we when we started, I talked about you when you were my father's physician, sending him to the neuropsychologist to get a cognitive test. And I do remember that now. Obviously, I wasn't in the room with him when he took it, but it did take a few hours for him to complete that. So unless you've had that neuropsychologist testing, which take more like an hour or more, more like two to four hours, depending upon your ability, you haven't had neuropsychological or neurocognitive testing. Okay. Um, It's my understanding from you that there are six cognitive domains. What are those domains? Okay, so a cognitive domain is, let's use instead of domain, a brain function. It's something that the brain does that helps you function on a daily basis. So there are six major domains that are tested in neuropsych testing. 
One of them that we all know, which is really pretty easy, is learning in memory. Your brain functions to help you learn things. That's acquiring, manipulating, remembering items, words, their meanings, events, people, procedures, skills, etc. Learning, remembering it. Okay, we understand that piece. But there are other domains or other brain functions. So in addition to learning and memory, a second function is social cognition. Socially appropriate behaviors and decision-making, like um, using the bathroom to go to the bathroom rather than urinating in the living room or the dining room, okay? Another brain function or brain domain is language. Using the right word, using your language skills to communicate. I'm holding up a telephone, and I recognize that it's a telephone and not a hairbrush, okay? I'm using my telephone. Okay, perceptual motor. This is the identification and manipulation of figures, things like maps, motor tasks, picking things up, moving from point A to point B, recognizing faces, recognizing colors. So we've got uh, executive function, which is the ability to learn something, to plan an activity, to organize an activity, and to complete different tasks and projects. And finally, we have complex attention. That's the ability to attend to and process multiple stimuli. If you are on a podcast right now, you probably had to connect to something that allowed you to connect to this podcast so that you could hear it. If you were on a webinar, you had to look at what, look at a screen, you have to hear things, process what you're seeing and what you're hearing at the same time. So the six different brain functions or domains that a neuropsychologist measures are, number one, learning and memory, which we all understand, perceptual motor, which is the ability to manipulate and move, language, social cognition, executive function, which is the ability to plan, organize, and carry out tasks, and complex attention, the ability to attend to and process multiple stimulations. Okay, so when someone takes this cognitive test, It's not like a normal test or when people are in school and take a test where you pass or fail. Can one pass or fail this test? How does that work? What generally comes up is we find that people have deficits or they don't score as well as they probably should for their age and their level of education. Okay, you don't fail a test. But depending upon how you do in these different areas of brain function or domain, we say this person needs supervision. They don't need supervision. They need assistance with carrying out these kinds of activities. So you don't really pass or fail. These tests basically let us know how your brain is processing information and how your brain is functioning. There are some people, well, let me just put it this way. You have six domains. If you have deficits in conducting any, using any of these six domains or brain functions, we say you have a dementia, a diagnosis of dementia. In any of the areas? If you have two deficits in two or more of those six functions, deficits in two or more of those six functions, we say that you have a diagnosis of dementia. So maybe you have no trouble remembering words and learning things. Maybe you can move from point A to point B. Maybe you are doing a great job with your socially appropriate behaviors. 
but you lack executive function. You can't plan anything. You can't organize things. You can't complete tasks and projects. You can't finish your job. You can't go to work, for example, and pay attention to the loudspeaker. You can't utilize your computer. You can't operate your telephone. So you have deficits in complex attention. You have deficits in executive function so that you're basically not able to fulfill your responsibilities on your job. So having deficits or two or more functions means that we give you a diagnosis of dementia. If, on the other hand, you're only having trouble with one thing, it's just like, well, you know, I can't remember stuff, but you do well on all the rest of the brain functions. We might say that you have mild cognitive impairment because you have impairment in only one domain and it doesn't affect your ability to carry on what most people do in their daily lives. You can function independently in your daily living and occupational responsibilities. Well, let me ask you this. Cognitive testing has come up recently here in the United States, and I know that we have listeners all over the world, but uh, the president of the United States mentioned that he took a cognitive test not too long ago. So why will a physician decide that someone needs a cognitive test? Well, anybody who said they had a cognitive test in their doctor's office and it took five minutes, they had a cognitive screen, a screen. That didn't really diagnose anything or say anything. You either passed or failed that. You either did well on that or you didn't. And if you didn't do well, we would send you for more testing, for more information to see what was really going on. Some people who don't do well in some of the screening tests may need to have their vision checked because they can't follow a trail or something like that, okay? So when the president says, I was tested and they said, I'm fine, chances are he probably had a memory screening test and it was okay. But in the United States, utilizing your Medicare benefit, that's your insurance over the age of 65, Everybody should ask for a memory screen and a depression screen every year after the age of 65, simply because through screening, that's how we pick up more difficult diagnoses. When you are looking to prevent prostate cancer, men will get a PSA test and maybe a digital rectal exam. Women will do breast self-exams. Those are screening exams and mammograms, okay, to look. But until they actually have a biopsy, they don't know whether they have prostate cancer or breast cancer. So we do a PSA test to look for enzymes, to look for abnormalities. And if that's abnormal, we may go on and do a biopsy. If we do a breast exam and we feel something, we'll do a mammogram or an ultrasound. But until we get a piece of tissue diagnosed to diagnose, we won't have a definition. We'll just say, this was what we found on the screening test. We still don't have a diagnosis. And that's the same way with memory testing. We have a screening test and they probably did okay on the screening test, but that's really not diagnostic. That is not all that's involved in diagnosing somebody with dementia. So that makes sense. It's, it's like um, people who are under 65 and who deal with insurance companies, not Medicare, they are different procedures that are preventive procedures. So what you're saying is that if you're 60 right. and over, you should have that memory screening as a preventive measure along with your other health. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Right. So, memory screening and depression screening. So let me ask you, um, what 
is one of the first signs of cognitive decline. Not being able to carry out the things that you need to do to live comfortably in your life, not being able to do the job that you've always been able to do, that you've been paid to do. Maybe you're a bus driver, you've been on the same route for 10 years, all of a sudden you can't find your way on your route. You have the same route for 10 years. Things that you have always been able to do and do well, and now you can't do them. So let me ask you this. Cognitive decline doesn't necessarily lead to dementia or Alzheimer's, does it? No. Okay. You have to figure out what's causing the sudden change. If, for example, um, let's just say I'm maybe not seriously geriatric, like well over 65, or maybe I'm just 62 or 63, and I develop a pneumonia. Okay, we're talking about COVID-19 now, but let's just say I develop a high fever and I don't have COVID, but I have a pneumonia. I may become delirious. Okay, does that mean that I have Alzheimer's? I may be disoriented and all of that. No, it doesn't mean that I have Alzheimer's. It means that I have a delirium that is acute that's more likely to resolve. And we did talk about delirium and medical um, emergencies before, but all things that look abnormal aren't necessarily Alzheimer's. So if somebody, for example, Okay, we talked about illness, but what about medications? There are people who will take um, drugs, okay? Um, I can say marijuana, I can say crack even. And maybe that crack will do something to my brain such that I'm not processing information well. So those are illegal substances. Those are hallucinogenic drugs, right? Right. I'm taking something like Ambien, which is a sleeping pill, or Benadryl, and I'm an older person. Well, Benadryl in an older adult can cause hallucinations, and I probably shouldn't take it if I'm over the age of 65. So when somebody has a sudden change in the way their brain seems to be functioning and they seem suddenly confused, it's real important to make sure that that person is not suffering from some acute reversible problem. Maybe it's a head trauma, like a concussion, a football, you know, football head injury. Um, maybe it is medication. Maybe it's a, an illegal hallucinogenic substance. Maybe they're drunk. I don't know. But it's important for the doctor to look at things that might have caused this sudden change. Now, if things happen gradually, that's a little different. But there still is a need for the medical provider, usually the primary care provider, to make sure that there's not a medically reversible problem that is causing the changes that people are observing. Let me ask you this. Is it important for someone under the age of 65, like myself, if they had parents who both had dementia, Alzheimer's, to go get a cognitive test? Not really. I mean, it depends upon what the what's causing the dementia. And I think we've talked about this before. Um, a lot of older adults, particularly African-Americans, have dementia, but it's not Alzheimer's. It's related to cardiovascular disease and strokes and things like that. Um, so 
if both of my parents have been given a diagnosis of dementia, it'd be important for me to be clear and to understand what really clearly caused my parents' dementia. If the doctor, the parent was evaluated and had documentation that shows that he or she had Alzheimer's by biomarkers, you know, the cerebrospinal fluid, the PET scan and all that, if I were under the age of 65, I might be a little bit more concerned about dementia occurring for myself because the doctors have proven that my mother and father had Alzheimer's and not some other type of dementia. And we know that Alzheimer's is an inherited disease. Thank you for that. And finally, how can someone improve their cognitive skills? Stay active, keep good friends, have fun, remain socially engaged, take good care of your overall health. Perfect. I'd like to end on a positive note. That was great information. Thank you, Dr. Monica. Thank you, Denise.